Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Well, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Abba. I love you so much. Happy Father's Day, all you dads and, and all our dads. So grateful for my dad. Every time I think about my dad, I say, my God. I was so blessed to have a man who, who raised me with a wonderful complex. I even got into ministry, and people would come in my office, and they didn't feel good about themselves. And I was like, what's wrong with you? And I realized that not everybody was raised with a wonderful complex. My dad, he just told me I was wonderful, and you know what? I believed him. And all my life, I just, if anybody didn't think I was wonderful, you don't get it. Like, I'm awesome. And uh, it's so good to know that, you know what? My heavenly father... I'm the apple of his eye. <laughs> He's nuts about me. He's nuts about you too. Amen? He's a good, good father. So we're going through the whole Bible. So much to talk about. So I'm going to tackle a subject today. I'm actually going to tackle the whole life of Elijah. Can I do that? How many think I can do it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try, all right? So we got four men in, in the maternity ward, four men, and, and they're waiting. Their wives are giving birth, and they're like, you know, sir, you better get out. Just, this looks a little more complicated. And so the one fellow, he's waiting there, and they came out, and they said, sir, you know, wow, you, you know what happened? He says, uh, congratulations, you're the father of twins. And he said, that's really amazing. He says, I'm on staff with the Minnesota Twins. And they went, hey, far out, that's good. And then they came out again and said, sir, excuse me, sir, come over here. And another guy pops up and he says, what? What's going on? He says, you, your wife just gave birth to triplets. And he's like, man, that is so incredible. He said, because I, I work for 3M. I said, that's so fantastic, you know. So then she comes out and says, sir, you over there, come here. He said, what? What happened? He says, sir. He said, believe it or not, you are the father of quadruplets. Thank you very much. I got stuck there. Who comes after triplets? Quadruplets. And he said, that is so amazing. He says, I'm a general manager of the Four Seasons Hotel. At that, there was a guy in the corner just weeping, just going, oh, no. And, and he says, oh, he says, oh, no. And then they went, man, what's wrong? They went over to try to console him. said, what's wrong? What's wrong? He says, I work for 7-Up. I work for 7-Up. <laughs> okay, that was good. All right. So, so. so I've, how many used to go on your dad's shoulders? Dad throw you up in your shoulders so you could see or something like that. I can remember once I was on my dad's shoulders and he said, if you don't stop pulling my hair, I'm going to have to take you down. He said, Carl, stop pulling my hair. I said, Dad, I'm trying to get the gum out. <laughs> <laughs> my dad always full of wisdom full of words of help for me all the time he said carl he says look if you keep procrastinating you'll never get anything done and i said well you just wait okay let's turn to the word of god <laughs> hey look right here this uh this was in 2006 it was written up in CBC uh, radio, newspapers all over the place. But that's the Peace Tower, right there, the Peace Tower at Parliament. And in 2006, the Peace Tower in Parliament, I mean, since it had begun and since it was started, it never stopped. It kept time perfectly, chimes, bells. People go there just, you know, to stare there at the tower just because the bells are amazing. But here it was, the first time, and it's never stopped since, but on this day, the bells did not ring, and on this day, for the first time, the clock on the Peace Tower stopped. And it stopped, and what's interesting is you look at the, what time is it? What time is it? It's 7.28. The clock stopped on 728. Do you know both those hands are pointing down? Do you know there's a Bible verse right around the tower, right below that clock face? And those arms are pointed to a Bible verse, which is Psalm 728. And that Psalm says, He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. 
I was thinking back when I read that years ago, I kind of thought, man, I think it's time. I think God's saying, it is time for the fulfillment of my word for this nation. And I was thinking 2006, bang, I was thinking acceleration, crazy. I believe there is. But I believe a new season started for our nation and something big's going on. But I'm more clear of it every single day of my life that God wants to do something big with the nation of Canada. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? In fact, I wrote a little bit about it in, in an article that we published in our own national newsletter, and then I had the folks from Australia ask me to write about it, and so I wrote about it, and they published it in the Australian newsletter of our churches, because I said, you know, it's time for Canada, and Canada, so many prophetic people over the years have said that whatever God is going to do in the last days, just so many, I mean, I could name so many prophetic people who have said when God begins to move in that last day move that's going to take the gospel throughout the world and bring a massive harvest of souls, it's going to start in Canada. Canada is that place, you know? And I, I'm excited about that because I'm a Canadian, and I think that's pretty great. And so many prophetic... In fact, one person that got right up here, popped me another slide there, Dominion. Now, this was, uh, oh, it was the premier of uh, New Brunswick at the time. I think his name was, uh, it was Samuel Leonard Tilly. Samuel Leonard Tilly was doing his devotions that day, and they were talking and meeting together about what will we call ourselves. And uh, when they settled on Canada, he was reading his devotions that day. And in his devotions that day was Psalm 72. And he's the one who decided that we shouldn't just be called Canada, but we should be called the Dominion of Canada. And so he got that from that verse. He was, reading, he was reading Psalm 72, 8 when he said it. And dominion is dominance or power through legal authority, sovereign or supreme authority. He shall have dominion from sea to sea and to the rib, from the rivers to the ends of the earth. So God is going to do something big in our country. So uh, a pastor, uh, Yungi Cho, sometimes it's Paul. He's changed his name several times, but he pastors the biggest church in the world. Now, he was traveling through Canada several times, and every time he was here, he thought, he felt there was this tug that, you know, he's the prophet over America. Surely it's America God's going to use for this big last day move. And he thought, I'm just close to America. That's why I'm feeling this. But then God really laid it on his heart, and he said, it's not America. You're in the right nation. And he prophesied, and in the prophecy it said, Canada and the Canadian church is going to rise up once again and go to the four corners of the world and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Say gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just a word, not just a message, but you know what has to be shared? The gospel of Jesus Christ. What amazes me is the church, the church has actually had to recover the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even believers today are hearing the gospel afresh and anew like they've never heard it before. Somewhere we lost, even as the church, we got into all the behavior and all the conduct and we forgot about the good news, as Paul said, the gospel of the grace of God. And we forgot about that. But you know, when I read that again, I had to underline the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not a whole list of you need to do this, you need to do that, or you people are all a bunch of wretched sinners. The message is God is good. The good news is Jesus came and he dealt with everything. Jesus has reconciled you to the Father. And that message has to get big in the heart of every believer, and that message has to fill the globe. And so I love that. But that's what he said. He said, this nation, this nation. I mean, so many other prophetic people. I mean, look it up. Everywhere I go, there's so many people I've met, and they said, Carl, it's so amazing that you're in Canada because Canada will go first. Canada will go first. That's a big responsibility, isn't it? It's a big deal, and we are an amazing, incredible nation. All right, 1 Kings 16. This has all been in our readings in the last several weeks, but in 1 Kings 16, 29, all the way to 17, verse 1, there were challenges. It talked about Ahab became king, and when Ahab became king, there were these three things. They were like three J's. It was Jeroboam, Jezebel, and Jericho. And I mean, when Ahab came on the scene, things went sideways. He sinned better than any of his other fathers, and he took the nation in a really messy place. And it lines three things that were problems in their day. And it was the ways of Jeroboam, the spirit of Jezebel, and the rebuilding of Jericho. Now the ways of Jeroboam, when, when the split kingdom, when Israel was divided, and, and yet Israel went north with ten tribes, and then there were two tribes stayed down with Judah, there was a split. There was now kings of Judah and kings of Israel. So you read about all that. You read about how the kingdom was divided. And, and you see, Jeroboam was the leader. He became the king, the first king of the tribe of Israel. But he 
decided that, you know, we got feasts, we've got responsibilities, we got religious duties to our God. And he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a place of worship in Israel so that every year, instead of going back to Jerusalem, instead of going back to Jerusalem, which was in Judea and Judah, I want the people to stay in Israel. So he set up a new religious institution and he set up a tabernacle and he set up an idol in Dan where the people could now come. And he set up a whole new system, a new priesthood, a whole new form of doing things. And that was the ways of George Jeroboam. He reasoned in his mind that there was a better way to do religion than for them to follow the ancient paths. And see, there's a lot of stuff going on around today. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff in church today. You can go to most churches today and it sounds like an Oprah show. Because, you know, we're all sitting down, we're going to do a skit, show a little video, and hey, we're going to deal with how to deal with stress today. You know, we found that these three factors will help you. And, you know, we're, it sounds like we're hearing from Dr. Drew or somebody else, and, and there's stuff happening in the church today where there's, you know, human psychology and pop psychology and all kinds of stuff. That sounds wise. It sounds reasonable. And we're teaching people stuff that's not even out of the Word of God. All right, just saying. Anyway, that's a problem. I'll tell you, it's a problem today where we're substituting reason for revelation. It's revelation. A spirit of revelation causes transformation. So spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel, the name Jezebel means without cohabitation. The word Jezebel means I will not nail myself down. I will not join. I am independent. I think differently. I, 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 I. And for the I to exist, there's got to be this silent Ahab that, you know, facilitates it and lets it happen. And Ahab let, let Jezebel fight all of his nasty things. But there is, there's never been so many people that have been believers that are now no longer connected to any church. And there's this whole spirit of I cannot connect. Oh, the church hurt me. I don't like what's this and da-da-da-da-da. And there's a massive spirit of Jezebel that's hindering the body of Christ today. Just like Jezebel then, there's people who refuse to align and cohabit and come and agree and be connected with the body of Christ. That spirit of Jezebel was active then. Then you got the rebuilding of Jericho. Now Jericho, that was taken down. It was done. And it was done by God. God wiped it out. God said, I'm going to deal with Jericho. But that first fruit, that first first thing in Jericho, that was God. But God wanted to teach them right away, right at the outset, that the only way that you're going to get an entrance or breakthrough into anything divine, God goes first. He takes the first things, and you do not achieve breakthroughs in God. You receive breakthroughs from God. You see, and he said, don't ever rebuild Jericho, because I want it to perpetually be broken down, so you'll always be reminded that victory comes from me. But somebody went and rebuilt it, and they said, you'll rebuild it, and at building the foundations, you're gonna have your children will be destroyed. And the guy went and did it, and sure enough, exactly that prophetic word. So this is the culture of Ahab. This is the culture of that day, and this is what's happening in their world. And a whole generation of people rose up who did not know God. And I think it's pretty similar to what we're dealing with here in Canada. It's getting odder, stranger, and weirder. And we got those same spirits, the same difficulties at work. But say thank God for Elijah. Thank you for those four people. All right, so, so look now. We're going to pop off to a 17 verse 1. 17 verse 1. I got 17 verse 1. So God always, well, just to follow along. God always finds someone who can bring the work through back and bring his people back to himself. So when Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, it's really you. This is a little later on. But here's what Ahab thought of Elijah. He said, it's really you, you troublemaker of Israel. Anybody want to be a troublemaker? Anybody? Because we're looking for Elijah today. In this house, we're looking for Elijah. Because when God wants to change the world, he always finds somebody. And God's looking for somebody in this house today to say, I will be a troublemaker in our day. And if God's going to change anything, he's got to find somebody who will no longer put up with the status quo and is going to insist that there's a shift. So we're looking for troublemakers today. So God always finds someone he can work through and bring the people back to himself. So we found this troublemaker. Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, the world is crying out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the answer is he's where he's always been. But where are the Elijahs? Where are the Elijahs? Where are those who will rise up in the spirit and in the power of Elijah? So I'm going to deal with nine things. I'm going to deal with nine things real quick, but we're going to deal with Elijahs. Where do they come from? What happens? So we're going to deal with number one. What is their origins? So the origins of Elijah. First Kings 17.1, it says, and now, say now. 
Now, in the NLT, it says, now, Elijah the Tishbite. What a great tribe of people that is. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. They were a nomadic people. You never know where they were. They're moving around tents all the time. So this was a guy who came from a nomadic you know, a group of people. He didn't have an address. You couldn't mail anything to him. You had to trace him around from tent park to tent park, find out where he is. So he of no fixed address. That's what he was. As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Don't you love that? Before whom I stand. And he's talking now. Here he is. He, he walks right into the presence of one of the most powerful kings of the day. And he walks right into his throne room. I don't even know how he got there. But he walks right into his throne room. He came from nowhere, comes out of nowhere, and all of a sudden there he is, and he's saying, as the God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Now he's standing in front of Ahab. But here's a guy who had a revelation that I may be standing here in your presence, but at the same time, I'm standing in his presence. I got a tangible, face-to-face relationship with Almighty God, and I'm standing in front of him right now. As I'm talking to you, I'm right in his presence. I love that, don't you? These are the origins of those people who want to be troublemakers. They understand that I'm standing there before God. There shall be, what an amazing prophetic word. He said, there shall be no dew, there shall be no rain these years except at my word. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to have dew, you're not even going to have rain until I say so. Thanks for everything. Good night, everybody. So that's the origins of an Elijah spirit. That's the origins of an Elijah people. They come out of nowhere, but where they've been and where they actively live moment by moment is I'm standing before the face of God. Malachi 4, 5 says, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great. It's great for us. It's dreadful for those who don't pay attention, but it's great for us the day of the Lord arrives. He, his preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And you see, it's not children to fathers, it's fathers to children first. And we need that today. We need the hearts of the fathers to be turned to the children in a big, big way. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Luke 117, it says, he will go, speaking as a prophetic word of, of John the Baptist's father, he said, he will go before him. He will go, John the Baptist will go before Jesus in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You see, just that same spirit of Elijah, as Elijah came to prepare the people to return to God in his day, that spirit of Elijah was on John the Baptist prepare for the first coming of Christ. And I believe that same spirit of Elijah, prophetically, is what's necessary to prepare the body of Christ again for the second coming of Christ. Amen. Your enthusiasm is just over the top. Settle down, please. Second thing, second thing you got to understand if you're going to be a troublemaker... If you're going to be a troublemaker, number two is you got to be established in covenant. Because right after that, right after he stood there and told that guy, nothing's going to happen. No dew, no rain, except my word. He turned around and he left. And it says he went from there. The Lord told him, go. Go from here, turn east, and hide yourself by the book Kareth. Say Kareth. Kareth, east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And he went and he dwelt. He dwelt by the brook. He went. Number two, if you're going to be in trouble, number one is their origins. Their origins are they're standing in the presence of God. I'll get to that. So good. So good. Their origins. But you see, you're established in covenant. The word careth means covenant. He said, I want you to go dwell in a place called covenant. Now, who's like the greatest king of that whole region? Ahab. What kind of resources does he have? All kinds of resources. And right after this, when that guy left his presence, Ahab said, who was that guy? Who does he think he is? I think at first he's going, what a blowhard. I mean, who does he think he is? It's not no dew or rain at his word. Who is he anyways? He probably, who cares? But you know what happened? There was no dew, no rain. And a drought began, and sure enough, he's like, where is that guy who said that? Everybody find him. They went everywhere to try to find this guy. But Abraham, it says he was concealed. He was hidden. You know, I, I, think, I think if they look for him no matter what, I think even if he was standing right in front of them, even if they have hey! I think he was shielded and covered by God. No matter how many people went looking for him, you'd never find him, because it says he was hidden at the brook. 
And see, you have to know what it is to dwell. You have to know what it is to be hidden. You have to know what it is to understand the big revelation of covenant. Do you understand covenant? See, before you're going to run off and confront a nation, before you're going to stand before all kinds of people and call fire down from heaven, you got to know what it is to stand face to face with God, and you got to know what it is to dwell in the realm of covenant. Do you understand covenant? Do you? When I say that, do you get that? Does that explode inside you? You go, I got that. You need to get that. And that's why God said, I want you to go to the brook of covenant. I want you to go there. I want you to dwell there. And here's what he said. I'm gonna, you're going to drink from that. But he said ravens. I mean, scavenger birds. Birds that are already scavengers who don't usually share with anybody. He says, I'm going to command ravens to get you know, cheeseburgers from the barbecue at Ahab's place. And I'm going to fly them to you. When they put pies outside the window to settle down and cool down, I'm going to get the ravens to pick up the pies from the palace. Pick up the pies from the palace. Who picked up the pies from the palace? It was Peter the angel with the piper who picked up the pies from the palace. I don't even know where that came from, but that was good. All right. So the pies came from the palace. I don't know if it was pies, but somewhere they got food. These birds, these scavenger birds, they came and fed him every day faithfully. He drank from the book every day. God covered him. God concealed him. He was blessed. He was held in the presence of God, and he understood, and he learned that you know what? God is faithful. And you got to know covenant. What do you got to know? Did you know that you have a new covenant? Sadly, there's a whole lot of Christians living in the wrong covenant. There's a whole lot of people still trying to be law obeyers and looking for all kinds of places to figure out, you know, what laws can I obey today? And you know that it says the law brings death, but the spirit brings life. And see, in the new covenant, it says the law was outside of you, a do, 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 do list. There's all kinds of Christians. What do I need to do to be in your presence? Everything necessary to be in his presence is already done. And if you're living in the wrong covenant and you don't know covenant, you're not going to be able to contend in this day because you're going to be with an old covenant theology trying to behave in a new covenant reality. In a new covenant reality, everything is done in Christ Jesus. You can either be in Adam or in Christ. That's the only places you can be. And you're in Christ because he had a new covenant. He drank the cup and he said, I'm establishing a new covenant in my blood. And the new covenant had a new commandment. He said, I got a new commandment. As I have loved you, go and love others. That's the new commandment. The old commandment was love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Old covenant. Oh, I thought Jesus said that. He did, saying to a Jewish old covenant people. But Jesus on that last supper said, I got a new covenant. It's happening right now. I'm instituting it today. And he, what is the law he's going to write on your hearts? Well, he's going to write the Ten Commandments on our hearts. No, he's not. He's going to write the law of the new covenant on your hearts. Because it says when a new covenant came, it abolished the old. It doesn't mean the old is wrong. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. All that stuff is good. But I got a new covenant and I got a new commandment. And the new commandment is as I have loved you. And when you get a revelation of as he has loved you, all the other commandments are no problemo. Let me spell problemo for you. P-R-O no problemo. And that's the law he writes on your heart. It's his love that gets shed abroad in your heart. And when you got a deep understanding and when you are baptized in a revelation of the new covenant and the new commandment of the new covenant, you're going to be able to stand in any situation because you understand what it's all about. Being loved experientially, tangibly by God your Father is the most important truth in the new covenant that you need to embrace. Got three excited people over there. Got a woo over there. All right, let's, I got to go on. I got to go. I got to go on. Okay, so you got to be established in covenant. The word careth means cutting. The root is cutting for covenant. God is a covenant-keeping God. Before you can confront the prophets of Baal or call down fire, you must understand covenant. You got to have a working revelation of the new covenant. It's a must. You got to know the good news. Say good news. Come on, it's good news. All right, let's go to number three. Say three. Three. You got to function in community. You got to function in community. If you're going to be a troublemaker, you got to function in community. Hello. You know, there's all kinds of people that understand covenant and they understand I'm in the presence of God. Hallelujah. But you know, they can't, they can't interact with people. You know, here was the next place he had to go. He had to go to Zarephath. 
And he says, you know, now that you've figured out covenant, we're done there, but I want you to keep that established in your life because that there I want you to learn and I want that to dwell in you, but now I want you to move on. He said, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. We read that at the offering teaching. But Zarephath means refinery to smelt, to refine, to test, or to prove. It means melting pot. Listen, let me look at it. The private has to go public. What you work out alone in that private place, it's not real if it doesn't function in community. And if you think, I got it down, you know what? I got this down so good, the only time I don't have it down is when I got to deal with other people. (laughs) You're called to community. It's an us. It's us. It says Christ in us. That word you, it's not not you, Bill, although it is you, because you're a part of the you. But it's not Christ in you, it's Christ in you is how the glory gets revealed. And you see, it has to be in community because it's not the body of individuals, it's the body of Christ. And every one of us are uniquely attached and involved. And you have to learn what it is to do this in community. So what's private goes public. What's manifest, you got to be able to manifest the impossible in community. Amen. Amen. You got to be able to manifest it in community. First Kings chapter 17, 24 says, by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. Knowing covenant, knowing a covenant keeping God, but then knowing how to minister life and relieve souls, release souls caught in a death grip. Because he's got somebody who's a widow, who has no hope, has no anything. What you have for it to really be genuine and real, it's got to be tangible enough that you can give it away. And so it's got to overflow the banks of your life, and you got to work it out. How many know in the melting pot of community, it can get difficult sometimes? How many get shocked when it gets hard? How many are like, oh, this shouldn't be like this. Let's all stop now and pray for unity. Oh, God, you know, these people are annoying. We've got to pray for some unity here. We shouldn't be having, they shouldn't really bug. You're going to have some of that. But there's where the reality of my connection with God is manifest that because his love has been shed abroad in my heart, it's no problem for me to come under. It's no problem for me to serve. It's no problem for me to take the lower spot. It's no problem for me to honor and humble myself. It's no problem because I get it. But what you get isn't really what you got if you can't give it in community. Okay, I just thought I'd throw that out there because that's really, really important. So you got to do it. And she said, I mean, her son then died. And she's like, great, what good are you? I mean, now my son dies. But he says, give me your son. And he raises that son from the dead. So, you know, he had to work all these things out in community. And you got to be able to work it out in community. Say amen. Amen. Number four. Number four, you got to embrace difficult assignments. I mean, because here it is. Now it's like go to, go to Kareth, go to Zarephath. And now it's, you know, that guy who's been searching around trying to kill you? That guy, you know that guy? Now I want you to go say, hi, <laughs> it's me again. Oh, okay. So go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. And Ahab, Ahab, when he saw him, he said, is that you? You are a troublemaker of Israel. It's amazing how the people are really causing the trouble point at somebody else as being the troublemaker. You know, you know and I don't mind being a troublemaker if God told me to do the trouble. Sometimes you got to, I think it's Catherine Booth said, sometimes to change the future, you got to trouble the present. And I don't mind causing trouble if God tells you to cause trouble, but otherwise don't do it. Amen, that'd just be some. So sometimes to be that person, that trouble, you got to put yourself and be willing to put yourself in difficult and uncomfortable situations. Can I get an amen? How many are writing these down carefully? How many thought, I didn't know we had to do that. It's optional. All right, the notes are online too. You can check it out. Number number five, number five, you got to manifest confidence in God. I love this about him. He says, and Elijah came to all the people. He gathers all the people together. He gets everybody together. And he says, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? I mean, are you going to serve God or are you going to serve Baal? I mean, what is it? Are you going to serve God? And listen, if it's the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. I mean, what do you think? What are you going to do? But the people answered not a word. He said, are you people going to serve Baal? Are you going to be idolatrous? Or are you going to serve the real living God? I mean, what are you going to do with your life? Are you going to serve the living God or serve your own selfishness? What are you going to do? 
we had one, one God were over there that was good. But you see, in that story, Walter, nobody said boo. They all just kind of stored, stared at him. And you know, the world out there doesn't know. See, a lot of times the church is saying, hey, world, smarten up. Hey, world, you're all evil out there. Hey, you guys, you're all sinners. They're like, what? They don't know what to say. I mean, you know, they're really not the problem. They're where our heart should be. They're not the problem. They're the things we should love and be passionate about. I mean, people out there lost and broken, they're not the problem. They're the people that we're supposed to be attracted to. They're the people that we're supposed to be praying for, believing for, hoping for. We are the answer to their situation. We're bringing them and reconciling them back to God. They're not a problem to us. They're beautiful opportunities to bring the kingdom and fullness to. You know, you got to know that. You got to go in confidence knowing that, you know what, with every single person you run into, you carry something that they desperately desire. You are a carrier of something that every person really has already created with an inner desire to have that fulfilled. They want what you have. What you're selling, they want it. I remember them talking about an African, two African guys, African guys sent to, to sell shoes in Africa. Two guys sent from the same company. The one guy went down, he said, man, you got to bring me back home. Nobody wears shoes here. And the other guy said, man, send more shoes. Nobody wears shoes here. It's a whole different perspective. Oh, none of my neighbors want Jesus. Wow, I'm in a community and there's no believers at all. Wow, have I ever got a great opportunity? It's all about your perspective. I work with people, oh, they're ungodly. I work with people who are ungodly. Yes. I mean, it's all about your perspective. Who are you in that situation? You're somebody who should manifest confidence that you are an answer to situations in their lives, and you got to manifest the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen from the bleachers? All right, so they didn't know what to do. They don't know, and you know what? The world out here, you're expecting them to do things when they're spiritually dead. They have no idea what you're talking about. They need a miracle. They need a miracle of life. 1 Kings 18, 38, 39, then the fire of God fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, say, saw it. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So you see, earlier when they're saying, hey, you're going to serve God or serve Baal? When they saw that, they're like, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. See, we got to be those people who know what it is to manifest confidence in God and manifest and release the gifts and abilities. Have understanding to talk to people with confidence that God is going to reveal things in that conversation where you're going to demonstrate the kingdom and the power of God. You're going to be someone who brings fire from heaven into situations. What kind of fire? Fire of judgment. No, the fire of the love of God that many waters cannot quench. And you're there to manifest his love, his goodness, and his grace everywhere you go. So the Lord, when did they say, when did they say the Lord, he is God? When? When did they say it? When? When they saw. When they saw. You see, it's not just tell. It's show and tell. And we got to get the show back in the tell. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get a glory to God? Can I get a happy Father's Day? Amen. That's good right there. That's good. All right. Uh, number six. Number six. There's only nine, so if you're counting, number, number six, you got to be able to call down the rain. We got any rainmakers in the room? We need rainmakers. See, they talk about that in business. They talk about that in culture. We're trying to hire. We're trying to find somebody who's the rainmaker. You know, we're looking for that. You know what I mean? Are there any rainmakers here? You know, because you think about business. You think about people who brought new inventions and new ideas. People who just made it rain. Make it rain. Make it rain. See, you're in a situation where, where there's barrenness, where there's hopelessness and despair. You're called to be a rainmaker. And you've got to learn how to call down the rain. I don't want to be an Elijah. I just came to church on Father's Day. Just wanted to praise God. Hear a little lesson. I don't have to do stuff. Make me responsible to change the world? Yes. There could be that person here today. Elijah could be here right now. He prayed with his face between his knees, and he said to God and to his servant, he said, now go look to the sea. And the servant went, and he looked, and he returned, and he said, I didn't see anything. He prayed. He said to Ahab, you better get ready to go, because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear it. And then he went and prayed for it. 
And when he prayed, he went, go see what you see. And the servant came back and said, I see nothing. So Elijah said, well, that was terrible. Let's go home and have a pizza. So you know what Elijah did? He prayed again. And he sent a servant again. And the servant came back again. And he said, I don't know, you know, could have been maybe something out there. Don't get discouraged, you know. No, he just said, nothing. Hello. I get nothing out of this sermon. <laughs> nothing. So he prayed again. The servant went. Nothing. <sighs> I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He prayed again. Four bow the knees. Five bow the knees. Six bow the knees. Nothing. Then finally on the seventh bow the knee, did you see anything? He said, you know, I actually do. I see a cloud coming out of the sea, which is always a type of humanity. I see a cloud, and it's like a man's hand. Put your hand up. It just exposed who was sleeping. Okay. <laughs> what do you see? I see a cloud, and it's the size of a man's hand. What, what is that? A man's hand is a type. What is it? It's a type of grace. Five. Grace, fifth letter in the alphabet, hey, come forth, creative realm. Five also stands for five-fold ministry. So what do you see? You see coming out of the sea. And what do we see today? Let me prophesy to you today. What do we see today? There's a recovery of a revelation of five-fold ministry. And what is there also a massive recovery of today, which is, is the revival, I think, right now. There's a massive revelation of the grace of God. Which you'd wonder, how could the grace of God be such a powerful revelation? But people have never understood how gracious and wonderful God is. There's a massive revelation of government has to come forth. A government that serves and honors and lifts up in the body of Christ. But then the revelation of his grace has to be a big, big deal in these last days. And I think that's why God's doing what he's doing. Can I get an amen for those who have ears to hear? It's true, I'm telling you. So look at this. Now give me another one. Verse 41, it says, there's the sound of abundance of rain. So when you have the word, but there's no evidence, what do you do? When you have the word and there's no evidence, what do you do? When you have the word and you have no evidence, what do you do? Well, of course you grumble. You complain. You call the pastor and say, it didn't work. You get mad and tell 10 of your neighbors that that's the last time I'm believing God for anything. I mean, when you got the word, but you don't get any evidence, what do you do? Well, he persevered. He stayed with it. He prayed. He wouldn't give up. So in, in, how many know that when you see an airplane, that the noise of that airplane is somewhere behind? If you've heard, have you ever heard an airplane go over, and then you look at where the noise is, and you realize, oh, my goodness, that's where it was, but the plane's actually over here, right? That's because the speed of light is way, way faster than the speed of sound. I mean, way faster, like thousands of times faster than the speed of sound. So you'll see something, and you can see that because the speed of light is so fast, but the sound is way behind it. That's why you can see lightning, and then you'll hear the thunder because the speed of light is so much faster. But in the kingdom, it's the absolute opposite. In the kingdom, things travel at the speed of word, and you have to have word before you have sight. And that's the way it's always in the kingdom. Because he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He heard it. He heard the word of God that it's going to rain. It's going to rain. And he felt internally it's going to rain. But there was nothing. And then he went and prayed for it. I think it's amazing that if I heard it's going to rain, why not just go home? But he interceded for it. He called it into expression. And see, if you've got a word from God, and you even feel it's in your spirit, you just say, well, if God said it, bring it on, big fella. You know what? Bind yourself to it. Nail yourself to it, and insist that the word you heard comes into manifestation. But I've seen a lot of people quit on a revelation because they didn't see it right away. And you know, I'll believe it when I see it. That's not the way the kingdom works. The kingdom says, if you believe those things you desire, if you believe it, then you'll see it. If you believe it, then you'll get to have it. But you got to believe that word first. You got to believe it and you got to call it in the manifestation and agree with that or you're not going to see it. And today God's looking for people who can walk in that kind of faith with the word of God. Because you know what? Naaman had to dip seven times. I mean, he dipped one time. I'm dipping. I got a skin disease in this filthy water. This is stupid. 
My servants are laughing at me. They think I'm an idiot. Dip again. (laughs) He dipped again. What am I doing this for? He dipped again. And sometimes you're going to feel offense. You're going to feel frustrated. You're going to feel that word working on you, and it's going to annoy you. But you know what? Keep dipping. Because you know what? If that's God's word that he's poured into your heart, it will surely come to pass. Tarry for it. Wait for it. Because God is faithful to his word. Three people clapping, excited people, four, five, six, seven. You got to do it. You got to dip again, dip again. And it wasn't until the seventh time. It wasn't until the seventh time on the seventh day that they walked around Jericho. Nonsense, saying nothing, walking around being yelled at by these people, saying this is stupid. Then all of a sudden, the seventh time, boom, the walls fell down. What do you got to keep on praying for? What do you, you know what? Keep on praying. And you're not praying a lack of faith. You're praying, you're not saying, oh God, please do it. You're praying, thank you, God, that you hear me. Thank you, God, that it's done. You're thanking God that this is done because I know you're a covenant God. You're not, you're not trying to ask God for something you already know you got the word on. You're agreeing with that word. You're confessing that word. You're calling it into expression and you're going to persevere until you see it. Oh God. I actually want to throw a chair. I don't even know why. It's just... All right. Call down the rain. Boom, boom. Call down. Number seven. There's nine. Number seven. You're going to face counterattacks. Say counterattack. Ooh, counterattacks. I've always been amazed at how he could call down fire and have an amazing miracle and take a whole nation from being we don't know what to do to saying, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. I would call that a pretty good day. I would be going, dude, pretty awesome. So he, he runs, and then he supernaturally runs faster than Ahab's chariot. I mean, he's just like, wow, so many miracles today, so good. And then he gets an email from Jezebel, you know, I mean, Far be it from me, I tell you, if you're still alive by this time tomorrow, I tell you, I'm going to kill you. You know what? The enemy's not going to give up just because you got a little breakthrough. He's going to keep coming. It says, it says about Jesus, it says he was tempted in the wilderness, and it says, and the devil left him for a more opportune time. And it's nothing personal, folks. Nothing personal. It's just that you are anointed with the same anointing that was on Jesus. You have the capacity to change the world. Therefore, the devil wants to lock that down every time he can. And he'll lock you down with sluggishness and all kinds of other stuff and apathy and everything else. And you may think that, I'm tired. You know what? It could be a demonic spirit of heaviness. Just a little bit of encouragement there. You know, listen to yourself. If you keep on saying, I'm tired, that could be a problem. Just every once in a while, a little bit of self-awareness. Examine your life. Examine your own self and say, what's going on? Hey, where are you at? Are you on fire for God? Are you hot for God or what? You know, you've got to have some own self-awareness in your life. Say, where am I at? You know, but because you, you're going to get counterattacks. It says, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And I tell you, just like you killed them. And Elijah, what was he? He was afraid and he fled for his life. He was afraid, and he fled for his life. So here's a guy who had all these kind of miracles, and he took off. Now, here's the beautiful thing if you ever find yourself in that situation. Has anybody ever turned and run? Just me. Apparently, I'm the only one. Anybody, all eyes closed, heads bowed. Anybody else want to identify? I don't know. There's times I've had incredible victories, and there's times I look back and seen God's faithfulness, but there's times I just said, I can't do this anymore. You know what? I just want to deliver pizzas, honest to God. I just, I want to go somewhere where somebody else carries the freight and I'll just serve them. I just, oh God. And yet, you know, I look back and God's been faithful, faithful, faithful. And yet there's days where I feel like I I want to be a salmon fisher in the Arctic. I don't even know why. Is it only me? But you know what's so beautiful at all of those times? Just like, just like with, with Elijah, God catches up with you. Aren't you glad he catches up with you? Aren't you glad he's good? He's committed to you. He's so good. Look, look at the next slide. Look at the next slide. I mean, he shows up with comfort. He refreshes him. Now, here it is. I know in our small group, we keep on, our favorite song is, kiss an angel, good morning. The only problem is the next line's kind of rough, so we leave that out. But I don't know why, but it's my favorite Charlie Pride song. Kiss an angel, good morning. Anyway, here's what happened. 
you know, and Joshua Mills has got a book coming out all about angels, seeing angels. How many folks see angels? You know, you should see angels because, you know, and I believe that's going to accelerate. It's going to multiply in these days because angels are sent as service to help us who are inheriting salvation. So one of the things was, you know what, Elijah, when he was running, he got really tired. You know what he saw? An angel. An angel showed up and cooked him cake on a hot rock, gave him hot rock cakes, and then gave him water. He refreshed him with the word, refreshed him with the spirit. There was a little, a little conference, a little revival time where an angel came and was the conference speaker and blessed him and encouraged him. You know, you, there's times in my life where I know angels have come there at those places. When I felt desperate, I couldn't sleep, had a constant knot in my belly. I could feel the refreshing coming from God himself, lifting me up and comforting me. You know what? But also God will usually come along after, after he blesses you, gives you a full belly, pours some water. It's all good. Then he's going to say, hey, by the way, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You know, that's a word for somebody right now. What are you doing here? What are you running from? What are you here in the wilderness in a cave? What are you doing? Come here. Come on. Come out to the mouth of the cave. I want to show you something. And he speaks to him. There's correction, but then you know what there is? God always wants to get you back in your destiny because he's always committed to plan A for you. And, you know, if you feel like, well, you know, I, I was doing good with God once and, you know, I screwed up, so, you know, I guess I'm on plan B. You're not on plan B. God called him back in the game and he said, listen, don't worry about that. And he called him back and he said, go on. Come on now. And that's always the way it is. Isn't it? Oh, thank you, God. Thank you. So I don't have to do that anymore, right? I'm free of that? No, no. Get back in the game. Oh. He'll put you right back in what you thought you were running from. But he's going to empower you and strengthen you to get it done right. Because he's committed to his purpose in your life. He's committed to his purpose in your life. I'm preaching better than you're listening. So... He's committed to his purpose in your life, and he's not going to walk away from it. He's going to bring it into manifestation. All right, so he's committed to you. That's a good word right there if you only came for that. And some of you need to hear this word. What are you doing here? And here isn't in this room. Here is where you're at right now in your relationship with God. You're running from an enemy that you've got total victory over. You're running from a circumstance that I've given you authority and power over. What are you doing? Did I say to run away? Did I say be over here? No, I didn't say that. So come on. So he's going to commission. He's going to put you back in your path. So let's go to the next point. You ready? Finish well. Finish well. Finish well. First Kings 19, 15, and 16. Go back the same way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, there's a lot of theirs, right? When you arrive there, anoint. When you arrive there, because that was his command. He was a prophet. He was somebody who had a jar of oil. He was always on a mission for God. He was releasing the purpose of God in his day. And he said, when you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram, and then anoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshi, grand, cause him and anoint him to be the king of Israel. So he put him back in the game. He says, finish the work that I gave you to do. And that's important stuff. Let me talk about Jehu just for a second. Jehu, Jehu, his name is Jehovah is he, or his name literally means he will blank. Put anything in the blank. Jehu's name is, do you put anything in the blank, Jehu will deal with it. Jehu is a guy, no matter what it is, just fill the blank, put anything you want in that blank. Jehu will. Who's going to take care of that? Jehu will. Who's going to deal with that situation? Jehu will. Jehu was so packed, so flooded with zeal, so passionate. Jehu was a guy, he was going to get it done. He had a warrior spirit, he exposed deception, and he inspired action. And he said when he ran into the Jehonadab, the, the Nazarite, you know, God, Nazarite priest with the vow of a Nazarite vow, he runs into him and he says, are you with me as I am with you? Then get up here in my chariot and come and see, see, come and witness my zeal for the Lord. My passion, my zeal for God is in expression and manifestation. I'm not a Christian in the secret service. Come and see. Come and see my zeal for the Lord. So that was Jehu. So he finished well because he, he anointed, he released the ministries he was to minister. Number nine. Number nine, release the next generation. Release the next generation. This was the end of, of Elijah's, Elijah's life. We went through Elijah's life. How many are excited about that? 
It was a lot of work. Every one of those could have been a sermon in itself and has been, but we gave it to you in one day. Release the next generation in 1 Kings 19, 19. So he departed from there and he found Elijah, the son of Shaphat, and he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him and he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by and he threw his mantle over him. Now, Elijah came out of nowhere, but Elisha came from a very wealthy, influential family. He was there plowing in the field with 12 yoke of oxen and he had the 12th yoke. And when he threw his mantle over him, he said, look, what that meant was, you are my successor. And Elisha knew that. And Elisha said, wow, that's pretty awesome. He ran after him. He says, you know what? I'm going to follow your ministry right after mom and dad die, and I get every, all the funds from the estate. And then he, Elijah said to him, what have I to do with you? If you're still hooked up and messed up and you're still connected to this stuff, have a nice life. So then you know what Elisha did? He went down and he burned all dad's equipment. And dad was back at the ranch going, oh, bit of a little fire out there. What's going on out there? And then he comes out and his son burnt the tractors. He burnt all the equipment, took all the cattle out of the stalls and had a big massive barbecue for my going away party. He separated himself from that whole thing, tore his robes and said, I'll serve the purpose of God in my generation. But here's what he did. He said, that generation, he threw his mantle on him and he said, it is time for you to fulfill your destiny. One more slide, 2 Kings 2 to 9. When they came to the other side, he's following Elijah now, following Elijah, he served. He, he, a servant was someone who poured water on his hands, but he served Elijah all this time. And now they knew it was time for Elijah to go. Fantastic story. And Elijah kept on saying, stay here. And Elijah said, I'm not staying here. But each of those places were lessons that he wanted him to learn. But he, he followed him, followed him, followed him until he saw him depart and he saw him raised up. And he said, when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share, a double portion of your spirit. Let me be your successor. I mean, he knew he was being trained to be the successor, but he didn't presume upon it. He said, please, I want to be your successor, but I want to be a double works generation. I want to be your successor, but I don't want to just do what you did. I want to do it in a double portion. I want the inheritance of the firstborn son, and I want to go in that power, and I want to be able to do. How annoying are you? You're going to be twice as awesome as I am. Who do you think you are? I think I'm your son, and I think I'm going to honor your legacy. Amen. That's what Elijah did. That's the spirit of Elijah. And all those things have to be alive in the heart of an Elijah, spirit of Elijah generation today. I've always said, and our staff knows that I've always said that, you know what's the most important thing to this generation? The next generation. And if it's not, we're seriously messed up. But the next generation really is the most important thing to me.